0: This week got maroon and bold we will break down the hiring of fox sports detroit's matt Shepard. he'll get the play-by-play job there let's we'll talk about the men's and women's basketball teams up here at central michigan women's doing what they usually do getting the job done but the men's on the other hand blowing a lead late the other day and then quickly at the end we'll talk about what happened at the halftime of the men's basketball game with central michigan football head coach jim Wayne. next on maroon and bold Welcome in to Maroon and Bold. My name is Andrew McDonald, the sports editor here at Central Michigan Life, and across from me is our assistant sports editor, Evan Petzold. Evan, how are we doing on this fine, fine day here at Moore Hall? What can I complain about? I think there's a lot to complain about if you've been outside today.
1: Well, besides the fact that I probably <laughs> slipped like three or four times, but nonetheless, I'm here now in a chair. Right where I sitting, want to be. Can't fall that, if you, exactly. Well,
0: for the most part, you can't fall if you're sitting.
1: I mean, if you're a thud, that means I probably fell, but I don't think that'll happen here. But how about you? You, you doing all right? You staying alive?
0: Yeah, staying alive is definitely the word I would use to describe my life right now. But <laughs> I, I'm there, and yep, we're uh, we're pushing through. And either way, we're talking about sports, and that's uh, that's that's always a good thing. So yeah, I think this is a really cool uh, cool topic. Because I don't think it's anything we could have expected. I mean. If you've watched, you know the end of Tigers baseball last year, Matt Shepard was doing plenty of broadcasts. You saw him doing it a lot. But for him to be able to actually hire him, stay with the local guy, um, a guy that I actually had a, a pretty decent relationship um, with over the past year. When I used to cover a lot of Michigan basketball games last year, I always would get there early, talk to him. Very good guy, offered a lot of good advice. Definitely has a lot of respect. You know, coming from a school like CMU, um, where you know he can he can give you that kind of advice and say, don't give up on this career just because people tell you no. He's definitely the guy to do it, um, and he and he ended up getting the play-by-play job for the Tigers. They stuck with him after having a you know a four-month national hunt, um, basically looking you know anywhere that they could to find anybody. They thought about bringing in a lot of people um, from outside the state for hire, but they elected to go with Matt, and that's just kind of where they've they've been at with it right now. So, Evan, I guess you know you've, you 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 talked to him today, I believe, mm-hmm. if I'm correct, and you know not to give away too much of your story, you're going to put out here soon, but just what what's the general vibe you're getting from Matt?
1: No, I mean, I'll give away a little bit of the story. I mean, I think it's a, always good to let a reporter, when he's working on a story, get a chance to kind of talk about it. And yeah. it's not done yet. So that, that situation, we're recording it right now, and, and the story is at 350 words, and it's going to end up being, being a really long story. But I caught the vibe from him on the phone. It was, a, it was an interesting one. He was so humble. He was so thankful. And I think that's what really made the biggest impact on me when I was talking to him was just how proud of himself he is, but at the same time, how humble he is. I mean, he talked a lot about the demands of the industry first and foremost. I mean, he, he said that, you know, there were times when he was young in his career and he wasn't making a lot of money. And the question was, you know, do we pay the bills or do we eat food tonight? And he said that he had to make tough decisions like that. You know, he he has four kids and he's missed at times, some of his kids' sporting events, some of their, you know, whatever it might have been, whether it was, you know, stuff that they did in, in grade school, middle school, high school. I mean, he missed certain events because of because of his job and what he was doing. And I think that that ultimately was kind of his driving force, right? I mean, you you have to miss these situations and you, you have to, you know, be able to go out into your profession and get the job done while, you know, your kids are back at home doing something cool, but you, you can't be there. I had the chance to talk to Matt Shepard a little bit about, you know, taking the job, right? Because he is the new Detroit Tigers play-by-play announcer for Fox Sports Detroit. And the vibe that I caught was interesting, nonetheless. I think it was impressive. I think it was kind of moving, in in my opinion. It was a a vibe of humility. And it was a vibe of understanding that he knew that he put in the work, but at the same time, he was humble throughout the entire process. He, he kind of mentioned, you know, there were situations where, you know, when when he was— in his young married life, he had to kind of differentiate between, all right, are we gonna put food on the table tonight, or are we gonna pay the bills? And that was something that stood out to me because to be honest, man, you know, the, the broadcasting and the journalism industry, you know, both of them going hand in hand doesn't really pay a lot of money. You you're not gonna go into the industry and and make, you know, six figures off the bat and without a doubt in your mind and he went through that and he also went through the normal normal things that a guy in his position would go through. You know, he he wasn't able to make every one of his kids' sporting events or every one of their school events. He just wasn't able to because of his job and the demands that he had to meet to get where he is now. I think that was the coolest thing for me to hear, just him reflecting back on that and what it really meant to be so passionate about something but be so humble about it at the same time was 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 really really neat and you know him obviously being a CMU guy that was, that was also, that was also nice. It was nice to see him talk about, you know, his life at CMU and and what it was like. And he he told me a story, you know, he was just about to graduate. He was in his fourth year. So, you know, senior year, you're basically checked out, you're ready to get into the real world. And he, he just said he was so excited to just jump into that whole new realm of opportunities, which is the professional opportunities. And during that same year, when he was a senior, an alumnus came back to CMU to speak with him and a couple others that were in the field and, and trying to pursue a broadcasting career. And a student in the room raised his hand and asked, hey, what's, what's some advice on the future going forward and what, what can I do? And the alumnus said, get out of the business. And he also mentioned that you know, the industry was too difficult, too challenging. And you're looking at Matt Shepard, and I mean you gotta think Matt Shepherd's in his fourth year of school. Yeah. And he's dedicated his yeah, he's his college to done, life yeah. to do this, right? And in the back of his head, I mean, he's gotta be thinking, oh gosh, what the heck? Yeah, what did I just do? Yeah. But you know, he said, looking back on it now, the words were unfair, selfish, wrong. And he didn't let that that one person squash his dreams and he never looked back from from what his goals were. Mm-hmm. And I think that was also interesting to me, too, is because you have a lot of people in here now and you have people you know, outside that aren't in the journalism or broadcasting industry that say, why are you doing it? It's a dying field. People don't, you know, you don't, you're not going to make a lot of money. It's tough. It's, you got to be gritty. And I think that was, you know, kind of his take on it because what 31 years after he walks across the stage on graduation day at Rose arena, he's got a job as a Tigers play-by-play guy. That's one in 30 jobs in, in the world, in the world. He is one in 30 in the world. And, and that, that's just so valuable he also told me our story about how when he was younger you know his his father passed away um when he was when he was 19 years old so you're looking at a young Matt Shepard who's just in his freshman year at CMU and his his father passes away and he said that kind of played the biggest toll on him because his life growing up was sitting in that living room watching Detroit Tigers baseball and when the Tigers weren't on it was the, the Montreal Expos or the Philadelphia Phillies those are the other two teams that he liked to watch. And, and when the Tigers weren't on, that's who he checked out. But most of the time, it was the Tigers. And he just sat there with his father and talked about the game, legendary players, future stars that he was going to get to watch, you know, because you, know, you see the young guys and the, the 19, 20-year-olds in the league. And he was able to talk to his dad just about what they could end up being and, and who he could end up watching and who he could end up telling his kids about someday. And yeah. that was really cool, too, with with his father passing away and just, being able to kind of carry on that legacy, right? They were just sitting in their living room talking baseball. And that's exactly what he tries to do as a play by play broadcaster is he's understanding that people are going to be sitting at their dinner table and, and they're going to have the radio on and mm-hmm. they're going to be inviting him into his home or the TV on, excuse mm-hmm. me. That's them. I mean, he's in their home yeah. kind of in the same way that he was just sitting in the living room talking with his dad. So those are just a couple of the stories that he was able to to tell and inform me of. And I think that just says a lot about his character, who he is as a person and coming from CMU, I mean, does it get any better?
0: No, no, not really. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy that a guy like that, you know, ends up doing that from here. And you, you talk about, you know, getting invited into your home and being a part of that. That was definitely a part of my childhood. You know, always growing up watching the Tigers. Baseball's my favorite sport. So it always was that growing up, me and my dad. I mean, yeah, we listened to it on the radio a fair amount, too. But when it comes to, you know, TV, it was always Mario and Pemba, Rod Allen every single time. Mm-hmm. You knew their voice. You knew them all the way through. Um, you know, not not to say that I'm not happy that Mac got the job because I definitely am. Every everything I know about that guy, he's a great guy. Um, but just you know, they like kind of sucking away from me when those guys did have the problems that they did, the where they couldn't work there anymore, just because I was so used to hearing them every single time I watched. Um, the Tigers so it, it's it's a little bit different and I think it'll definitely take time for people to get used to but he's the right guy in my opinion I don't I don't see anybody that could have went out and that's any better than him I think that he's always done a good job I've listened to plenty of Michigan basketball in my day and he also announces that as well and he does a great job of that um, love hearing him on the radio when he when he does those games he gets gets really into it and he's just it, it's just simply he's passionate about the teams in this state it doesn't really have you know, a direction or just a cheer for one or the other or whatever. He just loves sports in the state of Michigan. And what else can you really ask for in a guy that's going to bring something to you every single day like that?
1: You hit the nail on the head right there. I was talking to Jeff Bile, the executive producer at Fox Sports Detroit, and he told me, he said, you know, we, we had guys that we could have hired that weren't Matt Shepard because when you when you have a job like that, there are so many, so many talents that, that want to come in and, and work. And he's like, but what separated – Matt Shepard from everybody was his passion for baseball. The fact that he is from from Michigan, I mean, he grew up a Tigers fan. He 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 knows the Tigers like like nobody else, right? Because mm-hmm. he that, that's what he lived. He he grew up and he lived off of the Detroit Tigers, and that was kind of like that was like his lifeline. That's what he did. You know that that's what his summers were were. You know, watching games, studying players. So he knows the game. And two, you know, coming out of CMU you know, he was able to stay in Michigan as well. So it wasn't like he ever departed from Michigan. He's, he's been in Michigan like all his life. And I think that was what, you know, Jeff Bile was telling me was he knows the fans and he understands what, what the demands are to be a Detroit sports broadcaster. Cause I think you and I can both agree being from, being from Michigan and, you know, me being, you know, a little bit closer to Detroit um, as far as my hometown goes than you, but you've been down there plenty of times and you've gone to to plenty of games and you understand what it is. I mean, Detroit sports, it's just different. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it's just different. I, I understand. <laughs> I understand you have your other big teams and other play. I know you have the yeah. Yankees and you have your Red Sox, but just Detroit sports as a whole, I feel like it, there's just so many teams all packed into one city and it just means that much more. And also I think baseball just means so much more.
0: Yeah, I it's understand. definitely bigger here than other places.
1: Well, And I and, I, and I think just as a, as a nationwide thing, baseball is more than other sports. When you look yeah. at the national pastime, what it means, I mean, you think about baseball, you think about your childhood, you think about you know, when you were in the backyard playing with you know, the neighbors and you, you, you hit the home run or you, you, know, you, stole, you stole second and then you ended up moving up into score, uh, scoring position and some guy knocked you in and, and you, that's the game-winning run right there in your backyard. Yeah. Just for some reason, baseball, for me at least, I don't know if it's the same for you, but just kind of takes you back. Oh yeah, to the for childhood. Sure, man. That's
0: all I did. So that was my favorite sport. So I played for the longest before I stopped, you know, made the decision to stop playing sports. That was what I played more than anything else. Yeah, I can agree with that. And I understand what you're saying also about, you know, how it's like in Detroit, it does mean a lot more, it seems like, than other places. I mean, yeah, you can go anywhere around the country and they're gonna tell you like, you know, our city is this great for this reason. Mm-hmm. I just think the reason that you can make the argument that it does mean a little bit more in Detroit is because it's a city that's struggled, you know, over the past bunch of years. Yeah, sure, it's getting a lot better now than it was. Um, But the sports teams were kind of always the thing they had, and when you when you think about when Detroit was really going through some tough times years back, I mean the Tigers were the one team that kind of since 2006 were like competitive and kept winning and making it to the World Series a couple times and whatever else, you know, make winning championship series, winning um, their division multiple times. They were a team that was big, and it's kind of stuck that way. I think in Detroit, even through the the bad years that they've had over the past couple of years, for the most part, you know, at least for the first part of the summer before they you know start putting everybody and their brother out there because they haven't been playing very good lately. they still kind of fill the stands and still get a lot of people to come out just because simply people love to watch baseball in the state of Michigan. I think it, I think it goes a long way to be able to say that, that even when your team's bad, um, you can still get a lot of people to come and watch. And people will still pay attention just because they want these teams to be better. And Matt's the kind of guy that knows a lot about the state. He knows a lot about everything. He follows that. I mean, if you work for Fox Sports Detroit like that, like he has, he's followed all the teams pretty much you know, or, around there. So he knows a lot about all of them. And for an opening to be able to come open like this and for him to be able to get it, um, I think it's I think it's very good um for him and I'm really really happy for him like I said I last year I got the chance to talk to him a lot before I would you know start or uh, start covering games in Michigan um and he would just he was a really chill guy every time I got the chance to talk to him he never just blew you off because I looked like some kid or whatever some no-name face that you know he didn't know me he would talk to me and if I you know I asked him for advice a couple times and stuff and he gave me some great stuff so I always will appreciate Matt for that I, I love his morning show it's great he's good at that as well he just he's a guy that works so hard in this industry and shows like what can really happen if you put your mind to something and, and don't give up? I mean, yeah, sure, it really doesn't work out for everybody, but he was someone that just never didn't bet on himself, and it's really great to see it turn out for him. So, I'm happy to see it. But uh, moving on to our our next wait wait wait
1: quick question. Sure, what Tigers
0: predictions for this year? I got oh, we got we got to do. It. What, what are you thinking?
1: It, don't don't even give me a record. Just give me
0: a good bad maybe. I mean, it depends. A quick you, explanation. It depends what you look at as good or bad, but I would say they're gonna have another losing season. Probably be kind of tough, and that, that's where I'm kind of at on it. So we'll see. Right with you. All right, next topic now. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah. Um. Anyways, going into you know the men's basketball team here, um, for for Central Michigan, they they played last weekend, and there was a lot of hype, kind of fin- finally like built around a game. Um, going into the weekend, and part of it, yeah, was because McElwain was going to be there at halftime and everything. I mean, shoot, half the football team left after <laughs> after they talked at halftime and everything. We'll get into that in a little bit, but. Nevertheless, they had they had a pretty good crowd on hand even after, you know, the the a lot of the football team did leave, there was still a lot of people there. So there was that going on too. Um, but it it, it was a packed house and Central had the chance to be able to get a win at the end of the game. They fell behind by 14 in the second half and you kind of saw, you know, just the the typical no defense not get when they would get stops, they wouldn't get points and when they, you know, when they got the chance to be able to score on the other end, they just didn't take advantage enough. It was a lot like last year. Well, then this year, you know, or this year's been a little bit different with most of the games they played in, and they showed it again that this team will not go away. They don't; they're gritty. They don't care what the other team' size is. They don't care how much bigger they are than you. They're gonna play, you know, their their ass off until they until they you know get basically. Forced the point where they're going to lose. And that's what ended up happening this game. But they were able to have a six point lead with just a minute to go on this game after being down by one point uh, by 14 in the second half. Um, and McGurk Arena was going crazy. I mean, when, when Dallas Morgan, a bench player, came off the bench and hit back to back threes on a couple of possessions in transition, that place was losing it. it. It forced, you know, Bowling Green to take a timeout. It looked like the game was definitely going to see me's favor. And it did for a while after that. Um, but in that last minute, just Larry Austin brought it up one time, got it stripped when he he turned his head for a second, easy layup in the other end. They only trailed by four, and then it was, you know, a little bit later, just a, a mix-up trying to get the ball down the court. They threw a quick turnover, didn't get anything out of that, so they are up by two, and they failed to score in an offensive possession, fouled in the other end, two free throws, and they missed the buzzer beater. So it was, went to overtime, and after that, you know, in overtime, they just, they, they couldn't miss. Bowling Green could not miss at all. They just kept... Making shots every time they got the chance, and uh, the Falcons, Justin Turner, he scored thirty points in that game, um, and he just he took over in overtime. It's like it's you watch Bowling Green go in the first half from a team that was six to ten uh, from behind the arc to a team that couldn't really make anything in the second half, and CMU started to make shots. But all it took was that little bit of a comeback and that little bit of a jolt, and they were able to get the ninety-seven to eighty-seven win over CMU, and they and they, they deserved it. I mean, they played a lot better to end that game. Um, so when you look at it, it's kind of a really hard game to say how you feel about it, just because. They played so well to be able to get back in that game. They, they were able to be able to take the lead again, and that, that's not easy. I mean, last year, that's something they would have gave away. They would have just faltered, maybe maybe got back within 10 points by the end of the game, but there was no way they were going to come back from 14 points down against a team that Bowling Green is someone that I expect to see competing by the end of the year simply just because of the size they have in this conference. They're big in general. And CMU played to them. They, they, they did their best to hang in there. They only lost by two rebounds to a team that out-rebounds their opponents by 11 and a half every game. So that says a lot just about how they played in general um, and what their attitude was. I mean, shoot, they're only down by seven at the half and CMU was over 11 from three point range. I mean, they just weren't playing their best game in the first half and they still would have won this game if they could have closed it out. But that's where your other side comes in. You got to kind of think about it as man, this team, should they have been ready for that? Should they have been able to do it? And I think a lot of that goes on Keno, but it also goes on Roundtree and Larry Austin, both those guys, you know, they kind of blamed each other um, in the press conference for not getting the job done. And that, that couldn't be a more true statement. So. You know that's where they were at with that, but nevertheless, it's a it's a tough one to analyze because you don't really know how to think about it. I think from a personal standpoint, you still got to look at it as positive. If they, you know, come out and they start losing much, this wasn't a team that was supposed to win the conference, and they were picked to finish dead last. So to be able to compete with a team that was undefeated, beat both their opponents by a good amount of points, um, and come back after playing their worst first half of the season, probably offensively at least from a three point shooting standpoint. To be able to come back from 14 points down in the second half when they started to fall behind by more and more, to be able to build back up, take the lead, and then you know make a couple mistakes in the the final minute that you might make early in the season, I think you got to take that as an overall positive and still not look at this team as the team that's done yet. Um, They play they play against Northern Illinois tonight, so it'll be easy to see or it'll be quick to see how they you know react to a loss and they have to go do it on the road. Very interested to see how this team's composure is, you know, when they after a loss like this that they can go pick up a big one against a team that is also undefeated in conference right now. So. We'll see if they're able to go get it against the Huskies tonight. But nevertheless, I think it was a I think it was a pretty good effort. It was a great crowd, and CMU does feed off that crowd 100%. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that that plays a big factor. Um, and there was a good crowd there on hand, and they, they came back a lot because of it, because they felt that energy in the stadium, and it definitely helped them. But nevertheless, it's uh, something they do got to fix up, but it's something I think right now with the point they're at in the season, it's early enough you could take it. But the women's basketball team, they don't got much to fix at all. I haven't talked to me about that. No,
1: I mean, it's it's been unbelievable. To watch them work this year, and just to see how they've been able to, you know, bounce back from losing two key players. I mean, they they lost Cassie Breen, who was a key shooter from the corner. They also lost Tanara Moore inside. Both of those players a graduation, and, and they moved on in their careers um, overseas and, and, and such to play. But you you really have two of your scoring threats gone. You have one of your main rebounding threats gone. And they've been able to keep it together. They've been able to pull off some wins. They hung with Louisville, who is now ranked number one in the nation. And then they only lost them by four points. And that was back on December 20th. And I was a little worried after they lost to Tulane, which was made it back-to-back losses. But they bounced back with a win over then-ranked Miami. And, and to be honest, Mac play, it just doesn't look difficult for them. Nothing looks, it doesn't look hard. It just looks like they're able to get the job done and on to the next game, on to the next game, on to the next game. I mean, I mean, think about it realistically. They they opened MAC play against Akron and they won 94-71, and they took on Ohio, who was undefeated at the time. That that is a perfect record at the time, and they won 88-70. They beat them by 18 points. Like they beat an undefeated team by 18 points, and and that was supposed to be one of their better games all season. And then you you play Northern Illinois and you beat them 89-66. Like it's just the competition is, is not close for them at this point. And that's kind of what I'm waiting for is when do you get some adversity? When do you hit the wall? Because Ohio was supposed to be that top tier team and they did it on the road too. Remember that's 18 points on the road. That's a lot different than 18 points at home. So coming up, they have Miami of Ohio on Wednesday. That one tips at seven o'clock here in Mount Pleasant at McGurk arena then they have Kent State, Toledo, Eastern Michigan, and Bowling Green. Those are the games following. But I just don't see anybody getting in their way until Buffalo on February 2nd. And then they have Buffalo again on February 16th. Besides Buffalo, I don't know who's hanging. But you have to remember Ohio beat Buffalo in overtime. So, I mean, is Ohio really the best team in this conference besides Central Michigan? And if so, is CMU really that far? You know, apart from them, have they really distanced themselves from the second best team by by 18 points? I mean, is that how they've done it now? Because it has just been unbelievable to watch them play. And I and I think, you know, if you want to look at one of the reasons why they've been able to to just be so good and why they've been able to be so dominant at what they do, I, I think really it all starts with. I mean, yeah, you'd scream at me, Presley Hudson, Raina Frost, and, and I understand that those are very very valuable pieces of this team, but. Michaela Kelly, I mean, come on. She shoots 44.9% from downtown. So she's shooting almost 50% from three-point range. She's averaging 14.3 points per game, and she pulls down 4.1 rebounds as a secondary-type guard to Presley Hudson. And I think that says a lot. I think that's almost a secret weapon, to be honest, for Sue Guevara and her team because you have teams that come in and they say all right, if you want to beat CMU, you have to beat Presley Hudson. And I understand why that's the case. She averages 21.7 points per game. You know, she she's made 58 three-pointers this season. She's she's a force on offense. She's made 91.4% of her free throws. She when she gets to the line, she gets the job done. And I understand you want to zoom in on Raina Frost too. She averages a double-double, 18.5 points per game, 12.1 rebounds per game. But then you you focus so much on those two. You box on one against Presley Hudson, or you triangle in two on Hudson and Frost. And who does that leave? That leaves Michaela Kelly. And I think her being able to take it to the next level this year has been the thing that's been able to make CMU CMU. I mean th- that has been the game changer because coming into the year, you know, you knew that she was going to be special, and you knew that she had talent because you saw it in the MAC tournament last year when she was able to put up you know, a couple 20 plus points game, 25 plus points games for that matter. But you just weren't sure if she was going to be able to sustain it. And she showed that as somebody that they don't zone in on enough, she will burn you. And she's, she's proven it. She is a player where she can get underneath the scouting report and absolutely demolish you. And it's worked. And when she starts to heat up, you automatically start to see them, you know, back off of Presley Hudson maybe back off of Raina of Frost and that triangle and two that they run because CMU has so many weapons and, and you even want to look past Michaela Kelly. You can go to, to Maddie waters who shoots, you know, she, what, what is she shooting now? Yeah. 41% from downtown. That, that is what you need out of your third guard to be able to say, okay, all right, you can try to guard Hudson, Frost, and Kelly, but you have to worry about Waters, you have to worry about Jahari Smith, who is an absolute force inside, and you have to worry about Kira Bustle off the bench, a sophomore forward who has been able to hit the three ball with success, shooting it at 38%. As as someone who plays the forward position, she she has the ability to stretch it out. She is a solid stretch four, stretch five, and I think that's been able to to provide a lot of damage. So yeah, I think it obviously starts with Hudson and Frost, but Kelly Smith Waters Bustle—they're getting the job done, and that's what's you know been able to give them that extra boost. If I may,
0: for sure, yeah, no, it's a, like I said, it's just straight dominance from Sue. She seems to always find a way to put it together, and we'll see how they keep going with it. But to quickly just wrap up the podcast now, talking about uh. Just a little thing here, you know. Some people kind of questioned about our coverage with. Uh, oh, they were pissed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, they
1: wanted you to put words in McElwain's mouth yeah, and make ex- exactly. Him say it. exactly. And then
0: that, that's what I'm trying to say to you guys right now is that you know I, I was at the basketball game, completely planned to write a story um, on Jim McElwain and what he said at halftime. I was ready for it. I, I had it recorded. We I had somebody live broadcasting it. And if you would have watched the live broadcast, you would have probably understood why I didn't do a story on it because he literally said nothing. But fire up chips, I want to bring a championship back to the university. Okay, what? You want me to say something he's already said before? And when he, he showed a video, they put together a video for him, talked about the Champion Center in the video, and then it, he came back and had Mike Dana talk for a couple seconds, and after that he said, these guys are working hard, they've been sore at practice, and we're going to get it going, fire up chips. I mean, literally, that was that was basically the gist of it, not quote for quote. So there you people wasn't- want a story on that? I mean, what do you want me to do? Transcribe it? I don't. I don't know what kind of dialogue. I mean, what he addressed the he addressed this crowd at halftime, and this is what happened. I I don't know. He said nothing. Yeah. Basically, he said nothing that was important. He said nothing that was new. We thought that there might have been some stuff coming out of his coaching staff, or he might have announced like you know. They still haven't announced that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they haven't. Yeah, I mean, they still like the athletics themselves have not announced like who is actually on his coaching staff. But I'm over
1: over here talking to recruits who are telling me that, you know, D-Bastini and Barbe are coming coming to see him at their school and all this crap. If your guys are working for you, just put it out already. I I know. CM Life knows.
0: Just put it out already. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. and For some reason, maybe they're just trying to hide it all until they really get their staff fully figured out and announce it all at once, even though it's already been announced by us. So, I mean, it is what it is, but that's where it's at. And he didn't do anything exciting. He didn't say anything extra. It's almost like he just kind of was there because he just wanted to address the crowd and basically say hi to everybody because he hasn't really talked to anybody much since he's been in town. And that's what the gist of it was, and I'm sorry if that upsets somebody that we didn't put anything out on it, but <sighs> next time I guess I'll write a 150-word story on what he said at halftime of the game. But Which was nothing. Yeah, exactly. Nevertheless, I think if you followed our coverage enough, you would have known that we would have put something out on it if there was something that was newsworthy there, and there really wasn't anything newsworthy in what he said. So, Nevertheless, that'll wrap it up for our podcast this week. I'm Maroon and Bold. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you guys next time.